0: Well, speaking of shows that we love, we're here to talk about Star Wars. Hooray! It's the Superhuman Registration Podcast, where we talk about the comics that are published under the Marvel Comics banner, which nowadays includes a lot of Star Wars stuff. My name is Steven, Aldo, John, you both are with me tonight. How are you doing? With you. And may the Force be with you. In the heart, in the spirit, in the feels. Does that work? Does that part? No. Okay. Anyway, how are you guys doing? Still with you. I have no (laughs) follow-up. Yeah, I have nothing witty. On that uh, riveting note, (laughs) (laughs) we, we, for this week's recording, we decided to pick up a series of single-issue stories that were all published under the banner Star Wars Age of the Rebellion. These are one-shot stories featuring, I think there are eight of them featuring prominent characters from the original trilogy. We are not reading all eight of them, but we did read four of them on the the main four characters of Star Wars, uh, that era of Star Wars. And that's going to be, of course, Luke, Vader, Han, and Leia. Uh, we're... Going to try to approach this a little bit differently than I think we normally do. This is going to be kind of a compare and contrast between all of the different stories. We'll talk about individual story beats and aspects of them that we liked. And obviously we'll be critical because that's what nerds do. We do be critical very often. So, yeah, why don't we take this... Just do like a... Start with a brief summary of each of these stories. And I think it makes sense to start with Luke and then maybe we do Han and then Vader and end with Leia.
1: All right, so, Luke, this story takes place, I believe, after Empire because Vader seems more aware of, you know, who Luke is. Um, Could be potentially after, you know, Battle of Yavin whatever. But we just see Luke... um, leading the charge with some rebels. He single-handedly kind of clears the path and, like, takes out all the hard obstacles for them um, because, you know, he's the Jedi, and so there's a bit of a, ooh, whoa, kind of moment. And then uh, the Emperor remotely tries to, you know, tempt him with the Force and and tempt him to the dark side. And Luke has a few moments where he's not quite sure of himself because he's getting these weird promptings, and it's the Emperor trying to, you know, get him to tap into his pride, get him to tap into his... You know, frustration when uh, some of the regular soldiers, some of the officers aren't uh, listening to him, going along with him. And uh, in the end, Luke, you know, shakes it off and is able to, you know, remain himself and, and uh, not turn to the dark side. That's pretty much it. It's kind of just, this, this would be like, you know, a five-minute scene in a movie, if that. It's very quick.
0: Maybe you could stretch it out to like a 15-minute episode. Yeah, kind of like one of those cartoons that you get the the two episodes in the half hour. Yeah, and that seems to be the way that most of these stories go. the The Han Solo story titled "Running from the Rebellion" is set. It seems shortly before or shortly after the Battle of Yavin. Uh, or Yavin, Yavin. I don't remember how it's pronounced. It's been a long time since I had the trading cards for Star Wars. Yavin. Anyway, <laughs> Han's got his reward money from helping the rebels defeat the Death Star and he and Chewie are starting to make plans to get away from the rebellion and go back to living their own lives but Luke loops them in on another mission. On this mission Han runs across some old smuggler pals of his and they loop him in on another mission and he's got these divided loyalties. Is he going to continue to just look out for himself or is he going to bail out the rebellion? Uh, His conflicting loyalties are kind of really brought into conflict with each other when his smuggler buddies wind up getting captured by the Imperials. And Han does the moral thing by bailing them out in the process losing all of the money that he he got from, I think, this job. And it also seems like it's the money that he got from helping the Rebellion out.
1: The original 17
0: that Obi-Wan promised him to get him to Alderaan. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, he loses all of this money and winds up just getting looped into another mission for the Rebellion at the end of everything. It's very much Han Solo in that headspace where he was between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. He's still kind of in that headspace when uh, Empire starts.
1: The Vader comic is Darth Vader in To The Letter. This is right after Revenge of the Sith before Vader is kind of top guy you know everyone by the time new hope rolls around seems to be like okay this is this is vader like well, let's not mess with him but this is still where he's coming into his own he's sent um to a planet where the uh, empire is uh trying to re- get some resources and he attacks before he's supposed to disobeys orders from the you know um um uh, bureaucrat in charge And then the Emperor makes him promise in front of this guy that he'll follow his orders to the letter. So the guy keeps ordering him into places where he thinks he's going to die. So he sends him to the front lines. He sends him to um, break up uh, rebellions. He sends him to all of these dangerous places. And um, Vader is able to turn the tables on him and eliminate him because he was, you know, literally following his orders. And uh, he steps in you know higher than anyone else the last panel we get everyone bowing to Vader um, instead of Vader bowing to anyone so um, kind of see the jump between you know him becoming Darth Vader still as you know an unknown quantity and him being you know the Dark Lord of the Sith second to the Emperor that uh, everyone's afraid of and uh, uh, the guy who chokes everybody so that was Vader
0: And then there is the Princess Leia story titled Princess Scoundrel, where Leia is suiting up, arming up to go rescue Han after he has been taken to Boba Fett, or taken by Boba Fett to Jabba the Hutt. She has somewhere before this moment acquired the outfit for the bounty hunter Bausch, which is how she appears at the beginning of Jedi when she infiltrates Jabba's palace, She rescues Lando Calrissian from a tight spot and then Chewbacca winds up getting captured by the bounty hunter Bosk, who we saw in the War of the Bounty Hunters event. And also I had the trading card and he was a tough customer. Anyway, so Leia decides to infiltrate this group of bounty hunters in her Bosch disguise to basically test her metal to see if she can pass as a scoundrel which will make her job infiltrating Jabba's palace easier she has this elaborate plan to trick the bounty hunters into exposing themselves she trades for Chewie she winds up saving the day all by being sneaky and underhanded and then the story actually ends with her escorting Chewie into Jabba's palace to kick off the events of Empire or of, of Return of the Jedi so those are the four stories that we read uh creative team is largely the same across the stories. Uh, they were all written uh, by Greg Pak. I think the creative teams were a little bit different from there. A lot of the art was done by Chris Sprouse, who I think is a really talented Star Wars artist. He, I think he does a lot of these Star Wars titles
1: yeah he did luke uh ramon f box was the penciler and inker on vader the covers for all of them were the dodsons uh terry and rachel which you know that i think makes them yeah,
0: jump good. out yeah they're good tamra Bonvillan does the colors in the han solo story uh i actually have seen her colors before i think she's quite good anyway yeah so very interesting what did we make of these stories how I guess I think the most obvious question to start with is, is how necessary
2: are these stories? Completely unnecessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Completely I think, right?
2: unnecessary. I think they're nice to have, but by no means necessary. I don't feel like I yeah. learned anything that I wouldn't have been able to piece together. I think the Boosh, Boosh, Bous, Bosh, story is probably... Keep going, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> uh, I think that's probably the one that's, you know, in terms of Narrative, not narrative, in, in terms of like I guess lore, that's probably the more interesting one because we kind of get to see how she got that outfit. But I mean, that's easily implied as well.
1: It does show right. her out. Yeah, it does show her outside of her element, which mm-hmm. was good, you know. Yeah. but it does it. It answered an unasked question, like, oh, how did she get that? Uh, like, okay, <laughs> now we know. But did we need to know? But, nah, not really. But
0: it, doesn't really like her encounter with Bosch. that's true another that story yeah that she is already has the outfit at the mm-hmm. beginning the only thing that we really learn i think is apparently han and Chewie share a pillow <laughs> like there's this comedic moment at the beginning where leia yeah. is in han's room and she picks up a pillow and starts to like nuzzle it because she misses han and Chewbacca walks in, and she turns around and throws the pillow at him, and is like, "This is your pillow, isn't it?" Uh, I mean, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think, as far as the narrative, though, I think again, not necessary, but I think they were all interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't think neither of them really got the opportunity to delve into the subject matter as much as they needed to in order to be really interesting, but for what we got, which was like a pretty bite-sized story, I think what they delved into was of interest. I would personally argue that we get
0: meaningful stuff from the Luke story in the sense that we get to see how some members of the Rebellion react to Luke after he has you know, made a name for himself by defending the rebels on Hoth, by blowing up the Death Star, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's interesting. I think we see some interesting stuff in the Leia story. We don't see how she acquires the Bosch outfit, but we do see her kind of taking a more personal risk. The Star Wars comics probably have explored that side of things a little bit more, but this is Leia personally putting herself in danger to... Prepare to rescue a friend, right? And, and I think that's the side of Leia that the movies definitely undersell until Jedi. And so this kind of does bridge the gap between Empire and Jedi in, I think, a meaningful way. I don't know that we learn anything new necessarily about Vader, but comics Vader is such a, he is such a sneaky guy. I love seeing it. I would of the four stories, I think the Han story is the one that gives us the least to go off of. The, the it, it builds on the character the least because this is basically just the exact same thing he does at the end of A New Hope.
2: Yeah, only with a slightly different cast. Yeah, I actually kind of liked the Han story quite a bit. Because, oh, really? yeah, because a lot of it, I mean, like you mentioned, it kind of gives us the least, right? It's not really showing us anything that we didn't know. Because the movie kind of leads into that with, um, I always forget the the names and I hate it because I'm not a real Star Wars fan. But episode five starts <laughs> off very much like that, right? It starts off, with, no, I'm not really part of this. No, I'm not really. I'm done, you know, at the end of episode four and you hope... He's very much like, "Ah, I did my part. I don't really need to be here. And then he comes back and saves, you know, Luke at the the Death Star run, right? The the Trench run. So, yeah. So, we don't really get to see anything new. What I like about it, though, is that we get to see it outside of the context of the films. And the story, to me, runs really relatably in the sense that, like, it's kind of like the one friend. Or it's like the one... the the one person who kind of grows up in a kind of a bad neighborhood or maybe just not surrounded by the best people goes to college and then goes home for a summer and everybody tries to get him to co go back to his old ways. Right. But, the, but he's kind of like, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm not really this. And he's being responsible. Right. He's being like, no, let's not take any of these risks. No, let's not do this thing. Meanwhile, his old friends are just like, nah, come on, one more ride. Nah, come on, one more job. Right. Like one more thing. And he's, as much as he denies it, he has like matured and he's being a little bit more responsible. And even though he denies being part of the rebellion, you know, something in him has sparked that he is kind of feeling like a greater purpose, even if he won't admit it. So for me, like that was pretty novel to see that kind of personified in him in this book.
0: It is. I actually appreciate that explanation. Because it is changing the way that I look at it a little bit because I definitely have, have experiences in my own life that I can relate to I've got friends who will like send me messages about all of these fun board games that they used to play and all of the stuff that we did a lot when we were you know closer which would have been you know 10-15 years ago now and I'm just not that guy anymore it's not that I don't enjoy games or other things like that it's just the way that I connected to these friends it's just not who I am and I don't want to, there to be, like, a value judgment necessarily in that. It's like, I'm not necessarily a better person and my friends have kind of stayed the same. But, yeah, there is that sort of disconnect. It's just, in my case, it doesn't involve me, you know, trying to to win over a an aloof ice princess by doing favors for her little party of political insurgents. Uh, which again to the story's credit i think is downplayed a little bit there is a moment or two where han says we did this favor for leia and she didn't even show up to say thank you Mm -hmm. but other than that you kind of get the sense that he's doing this stuff because he likes the way that these people in the rebellion treat him or react to him or respond to him like they like him and also they need him they're not taking (laughs) advantage of him necessarily even though he definitely has this put upon aspect
2: it's definitely one of those situations when you've been in like a bad or a toxic lifestyle and you're suddenly treated with genuine like kindness and you feel uncomfortable and I think that's really what's happening to Han here you know I think that's pretty good
0: I think that's good I don't, I still don't think that this is like super essential though, because that is Han's character arc. He is feeling drawn to this higher cause, but he has elements from his past that keep pulling him back and keep getting him into trouble. Mm-hmm. Like this is his arc in the uh, original trilogy. Yeah. So of the four stories that we read, this feels like the least essential, but I like the the emotional spin that you put on that, the the perspective you brought.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it was just kind of the, the more relatable one out of the the four. I do agree that it is kind of the, the least necessary, the least insightful of mm-hmm. them, but I think on a personal human level, I think this is probably the one that does the best.
0: Did you all read these little like mini essays that they had
2: at the back of each issue? <laughs> what do you what do you think, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> Predictably. Although, did you read no?
1: No, <laughs> And I glanced at the Leia one because it was Billy Lord, um, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, who had had written a little bit of it. So it was kind of like an in memoriam. It was like, oh, uh, but the rest of them, I was like, more reading. No, apparently there are Ralph McQuarrie um, uh, variant covers out there somewhere. That's what I was looking for. And yeah, what did you what did you think of those little essays, Stephen?
0: What did you gleam? Well, the Han one. Makes an interesting point that kind of goes along with what Aldo was saying here a little bit. Han Solo was intended to be the relatable character mm. in the, the sort of the construction, especially in A New Hope. Obviously, Luke is the aspirational figure, the, the character that all of the little kids watching the movie are like, oh, I'm going to grow up to be Luke. But Han, as the skeptic, as the doubter in The Power of the Force serves as the audience template or as the audience sort of gateway character to be like, okay, what's all this hooey about You know, magic space wizards and this all is nonsense. And so the character being skeptical of it served that role for the audience to kind of help loop them in. At least that's the argument that this uh, writer is making. Oh, although Harrison Ford also said it in, at least in uh, an interview with Rolling Stone in 2015. According mm-hmm. to this article, my character was both useful in advancing the story, but also useful to the audience in providing a more contemporary reference. He was the cynic. So, yeah.
2: Harrison Ford uh, also like, hates Star Wars fans and I love it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't blame him, <laughs> you know. I don't yeah, I don't think he genuinely hates them, but his attitude is hilarious to me. I'm always surprised when he
1: does gags like he did on Conan or some late night show where mm-hmm. someone in a Chewbacca costume comes out and he has an argument like they had a falling out over, you know, Leia or something <laughs> like Chewie and Leia ran off together. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that good for him for like being a good sport about it because yeah, you get the sense that he was like Alright, I've done that movie, now I can do real movies. Yeah,
2: there's one I like where, it's a Conan bit, where one of his, I think his assistant producer or whatever, is trying to get his Lego Death Star signed by him. Oh no. Not Death Star, sorry, the, the Lego Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. And he goes to sign it, and like as he's handing it off to um, Harrison Ford... Harrison Ford drops it, and it's just, like, this big, like, shock (laughs) moment, and he just grabs, like, a big old, like, remaining slab, and he's like, is this okay? It just, like, (laughs) writes on it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm trying to remember, like, I've heard a story where Sir Alec Guinness was, like, asked for his autograph for, you know, playing. Oh, yeah, here it is. I actually found the story. Um, in 1980, Sir Alec Guinness was approached by a 12-year-old boy who joyfully told Guinness he had watched Star Wars more than 100 times. Sir Guinness, horrified, negotiated his autograph in return for the promise that the fan would never watch the movie again.
2: Oh, my god! Oh, man, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's I love I
0: love the disconnect. Uh, but we didn't read Obi One story. Go.
1: Ahead. <laughs> well, I'm I'm torn because, yes, it's a job for actors. Yes, it's just a few months of work, and then they have to go on and live their lives. But for everyone else, you know, it's like, well, you were in this iconic role. That's always you, you know, for some reason. I think, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy wrote two books about being, you know, Spock for, you know, 70 years or something ridiculous, however long it was before he died. Um, No, that's not true. 50 years, I think, is closer to the real number. But as a fan, like, I, Star Wars is not just, like... I don't know. I really like it, <laughs> so it's like it's it, yeah, it's a movie, but like it's I don't know. It's greater than the sum of its parts, I think, and I, I just really really like the original trilogy. The rest debatable, and that goes into like the TV shows that have come out. Like I'm glad we're getting more Star Wars, but I I, you know I'm okay with waiting years for a good one.
2: I am willing to bet that Harrison Ford, prays that somebody will ask him. You know what was it like transitioning the character from like this young rugged looked out for himself scoundrel, and moving him into a parent in the sequels? I bet he wishes that was like the questions he gets, but instead he gets stuff like so. Uh, so in between the two trilogies, when when did Lu- uh, Han Solo change the 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 radar disc from a round one to a square one, and what was the reasoning behind that? <laughs> oh my like, gosh I think that's his beef I think that's his biggest beef yeah. I don't blame him
1: <laughs> no and any con you go to is like that like well how did you pick the color of the lightsaber Mr. Hamilton <sighs> oh, yeah. just I no, no
2: speaking of no no, <laughs> no um,
0: <laughs> so Leia I, these stories these stories were brief enough that I didn't actually take copious notes the one note that I took actually came from the leia story and it was about lando
2: mm-hmm.
0: holy crap does lando come off looking terrible in that story yeah he says he says hey it's not my fault i like five or six times in. The, it's a 25 page story that's his that quote is, yeah but he says it five times uh, that's and he gives leia uh, phoning the in the writing <laughs> Yeah, I... would <laughs> be like, hey, that's maybe not how you princesses do things, but we scoundrels have to get by however we can, or whatever. He does the finger guns to Leia. It's, it's on page nine. Holy crap. <laughs> it is... I, I'm curious, because there is a Lando Calrissian story in, under this Age of the Rebellion banner, and so I am kind of curious if he comes off looking better there, but holy crap, in this story he is mildly insufferable.
1: Yeah. I wonder if the direction was, hey, you can put Lando in your story, but remember, you can't make him cool because he was still like, you know, the turn code in Empire Strikes Back and then was okay in in Jedi and this takes place closer to Empire Strikes Back than Jedi, you know. I wonder how much you know, Greg Park was given from Lucasfilm, like, you can do this story, but here's the very narrow window that you have, and here's the very narrow thing it can do. Like, you, you get to play around with this, but only this, and, you know, don't leave this spot. Uh, it's tricky.
2: Yeah. Other than that, though, I think the Leia is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I enjoyed kind of seeing her take the reins and really like you mentioned earlier right she's she's out of her element this isn't necessarily the types of people and missions that she does she's more of a bigger picture type person so for her to get in a situation that's a lot more personal it's very like small picture right we're here to do this one thing get out at least from what we've been presented because in a lot of the extended media she probably does a lot of missions right but i'm not gonna read a lot of star wars content i'm fine with the movies um (laughs) I ain't reading that dot JPEG. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was cool to see that. I really enjoyed it. And I liked seeing her hold her own, not necessarily excelling, but like a scoundrel, just a lot of the time, just kind of barely getting by and being innovative and, you know, improvising where needed when she attacks Bosk when he, when she has him pinned, right. Instead of killing him, she shoots, like, the boulders behind them to, like, kind of trap them. So, very good. She also kicks the crap out of Lando a couple of times. So,
0: yeah, yeah you know, justified. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Still
1: mad, which, you know, it's, it may have only been, like, a couple of days. Who knows? Long enough for her to steal that outfit, but... Yeah. Um, I, I agree with Steven about the, the Vader story. I really like Comics Vader. Um, oh, Comics Vader is so he, fun. It's because you can't have him talk too much. Go ahead, Alden.
2: Extended media Vader is a lot more interesting than movie Vader. <laughs> Which is kind of weird, right? Because Vader is already such a great film character. And I don't mean to say that he's bad in there, because he's not. But the purpose that he serves in extended media compared to the purpose that he serves in the films is so different. And when I talk about, like, the extended media, like, it's not just, like, the books, the comics, and, like, the games, but also, like, the TV shows, or, like, the movies that aren't part of the core, like, Skywalker saga. Like, he excels in that stuff.
0: Yeah, when he shows up at the end of Rogue One. Oh! (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I will actually go so far as to say I think that's one of the most overrated moments in the character's history but i I the only reason I feel any confidence in saying that is because this story, this Vader story has like five of those moments, and then it actually does something with his character because of those moments mm-hmm. like yeah. we get these great moments like page thirteen or page sixteen, where Vader is kind of sent in alone mm-hmm. to fight these massive armies and he just walks in with his lightsaber and wrecks shop just completely devastates everyone and it's really cool to see in like these big splash pages but that's not where the story ends that's just a plot beat and the real story is about vader exercising his independence against this bureaucrat to whom he's been made subservient and the the sort of inevitable treachery—you know it's coming. You mm-hmm. know it's coming, and so all of these dramatic moments make great phone wallpapers. They make great <laughs> like posters. But the story, the payoff to the story is excellent. The lesson that the emperor is trying to teach him is to be subtle and treacherous in service to his own goals. It's a it's a very Sith lesson, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. It helps that Vader has one of the strongest character
2: designs of all of fiction that happens to look
0: really, really good in comics.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's one page where he's like jumping and it looks a little goofy, but with the exception of that, that one panel, everything else is Jeff Hans. Capisce? Yeah. <laughs> I will say that this reminds me a little bit of the the video game, The Force Unleashed. I don't know how much you guys remember that. I thought about that it. the whole time. Yeah. I was reading it the whole time. I was like, yeah, like it, this
1: could have been, yeah, part of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of it, especially in the beginning, like in the beginning section of that game where you play as Vader kind of walking through a Kashyyyk like stronghold. That's the a Wookiee stronghold, I guess. Yeah. Where he finds the kid that he's going to make his apprentice. And like the whole game, you know, it's about him. It's about the apprentice, right? But Vader's story is, you know, kind of the similar to what we see here, right? Learning to be a Sith Lord. Learning to be a little bit sneaky and hiding this stuff from the Emperor. But that beginning part, kind of similar to a lot of this, where you're just walking and you're just tossing dudes aside. And with no care and just kind of moving everything around you. And it's like... Yeah, okay, yeah, Vader's, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> That's
1: kind of what this reminded me of. The best part is they have that as your first level. Before mm-hmm. you play as the real character that you're going to play as, and so you you're Vader and you have all these abilities, and then when you you play as the apprentice, you're you're back on the bunny hill. You you can't do much. You know yeah. you have your little lightsaber, but you can't use the force like Vader can. Mm-hmm. Vader like waves his hands and like knocks an army of Wookies over. This guy like well I can pick up a box and throw it at a stormtrooper. <laughs> you know and yeah. that's about it. And then you Become level up of course, you know, and get comparable <laughs> to Vader, and you fight him in the end.
2: I was gonna mention yeah. that like my favorite portrayal of vader like in a video game has been from the jedi fallen order when you meet vader it's like a very brief boss fight like you don't do a lot of damage to him like you barely like trickle his health bar and then it's you running away from vader and as you're running away from him he's destroying like the sith temple that you're in and so all of the platforms that are moving that you're like jumping across and like parkouring and all that stuff that you're doing that's a Vader manipulating the whole environment as he's, like, chasing you. And as he's chasing you, he's not running. He's just walking at you. And so it's not really a boss fight. It's just you escaping Vader. And, like, you just see, like, all of the stuff that he can do just as he's walking at you. And, like It's good. It's good. Vader in extended media is really good. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that?
0: What's the worst thing we see Vader do in the movies?
1: Kill children.
0: We don't see it.
1: Okay, okay. In
0: the original trilogy, (laughs) Uh, choke people. But lots of people. People he chokes out. They're his own lackeys, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think we see Vader do like any war crimes. No, like the destruction of Alderaan wasn't Vader. That was Tarkin. Mm Mm-hmm. And after episode four, all of the stuff we see Vader do, again, choke out his own dudes and be conflicted over his feelings for his son. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the reason that comics Vader feels like it's adding something. The movies are great, and Mm -hmm. Vader is a classic film villain for a reason. But we don't get a real sense of his villainy of his you know prowess in combat of his ambition of his anger from mm-hmm. the original trilogy the prequels give us some of that but they kind of go over the top with it like again bit. he murders babies that's that's horrible and also
2: a little try hard <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the more interesting arcs that you don't really see in the movies is he has this whole thing with Tarkin. When Tarkin was younger, he was working for um, the Republic, right? And him and Anakin worked together on several missions during the Clone Wars. So interesting. Yeah, so fast forward to the transformation of Vader... There are a few arcs in some of the extended media where Tarkin recognizes that it's Anakin. And, you know, Vader's whole thing is that Anakin is dead. You know, he's no longer a thing. I am Darth Vader. That's all I was. That's all I am. That's all I will be type thing, right? And Tarkin is just trying to get him to admit that he was Anakin. And he's not having it. He's kind of trying to trick him, but like complimenting his flight skills and, you know, Little, little bits of things like that. Uh, especially because the two had, like, a... They were... They respected each other. Like, Anakin respected Tarkin's, like, command and tactics. And Tarkin respected that Anakin was willing to go outside of, like, the moral circle of the Jedi to get the job done. Which, you know, leads to Vader. And so it's this whole thing, this whole arc where they're working together and Tarkin's just trying to get him to admit that. And he won't, and essentially kind of ends with him kind of, like, soft confirming it to Tarkin that he is Anakin, but Anakin is dead. And Tarkin is just kind of like, alright, I will respect that. I will respect your decision. And, like, they have, like, a pretty solid work relationship, I guess is the best way to put it. But that (laughs) kind of leads to, like, why he respects Tarkin in the film, right? We see very few interactions with him, but they're kind of like on level field, right? He defers to Tarkin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's that's one of those cool things, but again, extended media stuff. Can you imagine being Darth Vader's boss? (laughs) No,
0: like Tarkin obviously managed it pretty well, but then we also (laughs) have, you know, this story with, Admiral, Admiral What's-His-Name who gets eaten by a space crab. Yeah. You know, he could
2: really go... You never know where you stand with Darth Vader. <laughs> you really don't. Yeah, so... I thought. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I did like seeing, kind of going back to the comic, because we've been talking about Vader in a lot of things, but the comic... Yeah, yeah. That, that is really interesting to see, like, his anger, and kind of penting that up as he's being treated, like, as a as an attack dog right yeah it's really good stuff
1: vader and comic vader was more impressive i think than comic luke they did that thing where they had several panels where it was like, boy, that really is Mark Hamill. And then some panels where it was like, oh, okay, that's vaguely Luke, you know. They, like, spent their time on a couple of these bigger, splashier pages, it seemed like. I I That's one of the things that bugs me every time we do Star Wars comics is how much time, you know, they're spending trying to make it really look like the actors. And it's like, just focus on making it, you know, a good comic and not... This, you know, veering towards uncanny valley of like, oh, that looks just like them. But it's it's weird out of place with all these background characters who are less, you know, highly rendered. Uh, I I didn't I I thought it was kind of cool not turning to the dark side, even though the emperor is like really working on him and everything. But it it felt, you know, more unnecessary, I think, than the other ones even, Um, you know, it kinda of takes away from that big moment later when he finally meets the Emperor face to face, um, in Jedi. I eh it wasn't bad, but it also was like I didn't really need this. I think that all of the I didn't I didn't dislike any of these, but also none of them, you know, really like
0: I don't know, blew my hair back.
2: I wouldn't recommend anybody to read this.
0: I'd recommend the Vader one. I I really liked the Vader one. The Luke story. I would
2: recommend Vader down before I recommended the Vader one. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably. Um, I don't know actually. I don't know. But anyway, let's talk about the Luke story because we haven't yeah. really. I feel like the best parts of the Luke story are not the plot. It's it's like I was saying at the beginning, mm-hmm. where this story details character reactions. To the legend of Luke Skywalker. Coming face to face with him. And then he's got the leader of this mission that he's going on. Who, you know, is kind of inspired to higher levels of heroism. Or really, I think more accurately, is similarly heroic to Luke. But doesn't get the acclaim for it. And so there's this moment of Luke sort of like questioning this man's allegiance. This man's loyalty. Only to be impressed by him and cooperate with him on this very dangerous mission to save the lives of all of these men. It's, it's Luke kind of dealing with his own celebrity almost while also acknowledging the goodness of the people that he's working with. I think that's a really interesting story and kind of like John was saying, all of the stuff with the Emperor is, it actually detracts from that. It makes it unnecessary. And that's unfortunate because I think there's a really interesting story to tell in how members of the Rebellion react to the legend who destroyed the Death Star. And how maybe not everyone is fully on board with that legend. Because you get the impression that the leader of this this strike force isn't really blown away by Luke as a character. That is a much more interesting story than any of the stuff with with the Emperor trying to, you know, tempt Jesus in the wilderness like he does yeah Yeah. that aspect of the story is really disappointing unlike comics Vader comics Emperor doesn't strike me as a super interesting character
2: no he just kind of does more of the same but we just see more of it the only thing
0: Emperor Palpatine is like the Tony Stark of the Star Wars stories (laughs) the character's not actually that good but the actor is so great in the role that it's fine Ian McDermott is so good as the Emperor. He chews so much scenery. He's, he's awesome.
2: I will say that. Uh, but the character himself is not interesting. Yeah. Kind of in agreement with you. I think the more interesting story here was that. And that's something I would like to see in a bigger story. Either, like, kind of Luke going through an arc where he's maybe, you know, feeling the celebrity status, getting a little cocky stuff goes bad because of it and he kind of has to come to terms with what it means to be like a symbol of the rebellion a jedi and also a soldier alongside all of these other like rebellion like soldiers right i think that would be a much more interesting interesting story and i also think that his little fantasy of like just like the emperor induced fantasy of him just saying no and then just going off to retire at some farm for some reason, I think that would have been more interesting if it hadn't been an emperor thing right like if that had been just his thought process, if his thought process would have just been like, "What if I just left? What if I was done with yeah. this and have that that would be something internal rather than something external
0: It is hard to do the you know it was all just a dream story, right mm-hmm. And this particular one reminds me a lot of For the Man Who Has Everything, which was a Superman story written by Alan Moore. And I like Greg Pak, don't get me wrong, but this like, this is not firing on the same level or on as many cylinders, or however the metaphor goes, as For the Man Who Has Everything, which is arguably one of the best Superman stories ever written. Um Heck, I would argue that this isn't even as good as that one episode of Batman the Animated Series where Batgirl hallucinates her own death and her dad going to war with Batman. I don't know. I've given a lot of thought to, like, dream stories. And if they don't have stakes, you can't get into them. And this doesn't have stakes. And it doesn't even... Like, it's, what, two pages of a fantasy. Maybe three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Boy, yeah, yeah. I don't know. The more we talk about this story, I feel like it actually might be the weakest of the three. Mm. Even though I think it does some, have something interesting to say, it just doesn't say it.
2: I would just like to point out that the best. It was all a dream story. Um, is Super Mario Brothers two the USA game? <laughs> and I will not hear no. otherwise.
0: <laughs> Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening.
2: I said I won't, I won't hear otherwise. Yes, yeah. But yeah. I was getting, okay.
0: Well, then d- d- turn off your microphone. <laughs> Take your earbuds out. Go for a walk. I'm with you, Steven. Link's Awakening is better. I'm on Team Zelda
1: for the the foreseeable future. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I wish this was a video game podcast. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) I haven't played it yet. I know. I I was talking, my my brother in law brought up Halo today, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I. It's like that was that was several days ago. Me, no more. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> when does <laughs>
1: that Halo was my old get the life. Master
0: Sword? <laughs> yeah. So you could say that Halo is like the smugglers that Han Solo runs into in his story. <laughs> I don't know. These are these are fine enough stories. I struggle with the heroes. Of Star Wars in comics, because other than Han, I don't know that they really read like the characters as I know them from the movies. I think that's especially true of Leia, where Leia was a very progressive character for the 1970s, and they really try to they really try to make her a very hashtag girl boss for the 2020s. When they write her in these stories, and I don't know that it it always reads congruous to you know Carrie Fisher's performance, Carrie Fisher's character. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, though, because frankly, I think even though the character was pretty progressive in the movies, Leia suffers a bit from being written by a bunch of white dudes in the '70s right, so yeah
1: the the foundation of this of this Leia building is you know a bit too damsel in distress and not enough, you know into the garbage shoot flyboys i don't I don't know
0: she's she rides that into the garbage flyboys is such a good line <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that that moment is probably where all of this Leia comes from. Do we have anything else to say about these stories?
1: Kind of straightforward stories with not a lot, yeah, yeah.
0: I think. They all merit, I would argue, they all merit their own spots on the list. Because I don't think these are of comparable quality, nor would I recommend them all uniformly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In agreeance. So, maybe we spend the next 45 minutes arguing about where they go on the list. I don't think it will take <laughs> that long. Currently, on our list, we have cleared 240 stories. We are at 241. Wow. And we've got Marvel Comics all over the place in here the star wars comics don't tend to do that well the highest star wars comic that we have on our list is at number 45 which is the comics adaptation of the original script i think that's too high but i i seem to remember getting outvoted on that it was
2: cool dang right,
0: right. you're probably in it
1: Empire sympathizer, you were probably like, well, they're bringing water and stability to the galaxy. I'll just stay out of their way. <laughs> I'm not a rebel, so I won't speak for them. That's That was Steven at the
2: time. <laughs> wow, when did, when did Steven get so red-sabered? <laughs>
0: <laughs> red-sabered oh, is awful. I hate it. And it's perfect, and You're I love looking. it.
1: <laughs> the lowest is 189 so not the very worst but down there that's the uh star wars valentine story yeah it's, that's that's haunted oh, leia yeah. go have a weekend away it's terrible uh,
0: i remember liking that story better than you two well again interesting okay <laughs> so let's take these in well i guess let's start with the luke story because that's where we were just talking where would we rank this this luke skywalker story which hold on what was the title again
1: of course you asked me and I've, I've
0: switched the page now. Fight or Flight. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such an awful title. Fight or Flight, the, the Luke Skywalker story. See, that, that's, that should be the title of Han's story, because that's Han's character arc.
1: Yeah. Anyway. We need a... We have a bad section, we have a good section, we have a meh, pretty good, but we need a meh section.
0: We probably have a meh section. I would argue that this is not even as good as that Valentine story that we like number 189. I think this might go a little bit below that. I don't think it goes much below it, though. Heck, I actually, right beneath that is that Fantastic Four story where. Is that the one that was focused like, on, uh, on. On uh, Sue Storm? Storm yeah. I think that's Time Runs Like Stand. I think that's what that was. And I would rather read this than that. So I would maybe put this at the new 190. That's my thought. I was going
1: to argue, but now I'm looking at what's above that. Oh. I do. I would like to put it above long shot. Just because. But you can't.
0: <laughs> I couldn't. You can't, because in your heart of hearts, you we, know long shot is better. It's not, though. Because he it has a mullet. He. he
1: <laughs> and you like it no dirty dirty boy i hate mullets they're on my list of phobias with snakes and spiders and a third funny thing because of rule of threes dang it
0: (laughs) maybe it's all of the the across the spider-verse news that's coming out but i just pictured like a snake with a mullet in a spider-man outfit
1: that i would i would be okay with it featuring as like a spider pig level you know side supporting character who would who would
0: voice that character kurt russell
1: cuz he played snake Plissken. you just
0: say that cuz of snake yeah, yeah 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 but right off the hip
1: though so that counts for something right
2: i guess so okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway i say put it above long shot aldo you're the tying vote i would put
2: this uh, we'll put this below long shot dang it oh he looks so like david bowie <laughs> it can, it has to count for something.
0: I don't remember who I am, man. Would you
2: put this above War of Kings, then? Uh, I don't know. War of Kings was kind of high concept. I think I would prefer to read bad over this. I don't
0: even remember War of Kings very well, frankly.
2: Uh, yeah, you know what? No, you're right. I would put this above War of Kings. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm trying it to remember. Had, it anything. had the Summer's Brother... I had this conversation last time. And I was like, was this the book that had somebody's somebody related to Scott Summers? So I was like, no, it was this thing. I was like, was it this other thing? Like, no, that was the other person. And I was like, cool, I just don't remember anything about this. <laughs> not a really good plug
0: for the book. <laughs> that, that's part of the reason War of Kings winds up being as low as it is. But it had, it. I, I I'm pretty sure it had Vulcan, who was the Summers' brother. Who is not Cyclops and is not Havoc. Mm. But also it had no other X-Men in it. But it had the Shi'ar and it had the Imperial Guard and we do not care about any of them. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think I'm talking myself into being like, yeah, fine, let's put it right under Longshot and above work. Yeah,
2: that's good. It's good for me. Alrighty.
0: Okay, Luke Skywalker, Fight or Flight, goes at number 186.
2: Well, for now, it'll go down a few more notches if we have more books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, because I, I think every single one of these stories might have been better that's actually kind of frustrating yeah okay so han let's do the han story next running from the rebellion No, fight or flight would have been a better title for that (laughs) yeah so i think the han story goes higher i think the next star wars story going up the list is that new hope star wars infinities the alternate story where luke doesn't blow up the death star and leia turns to the dark side and or does luke turn to the dark side and leia rescue sim i don't quite remember but just the fact that it's got this high concept that's a little bit you know outside the realm of what we expect from star wars makes me want to recommend that book over this one so i think that might be my ceiling
1: what number is that because i think that's higher than i was thinking oh there it is on 182 yeah yeah um even portal city of pan which i remember us being like it was very meh um I think still works better. Yeah, there we go.
0: We did it. We found <laughs> the med list.
1: <laughs> it's below the New Uh New Hope Star Wars Infinities. Yeah. I I would put this below Portal City of Pan. Below. Um. Or above um, yeah. Okay. Cause I'm saying like I, I, I think that worked better, even though it was very meh like I don't know. I feel like this kind of scene that han solo is doing they they explored a lot on uh firefly and so i was like eh i've already seen the thing you inspired do this thing you're now trying to do better so never mind
2: yeah but guess who got a sequel
1: (laughs) oh that's that's just hurtful
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's okay i haven't seen firefly (laughs)
1: <laughs> I it's fine, but people who still hang on that like they could come. It's like Ron Glass died, and no, there's not going to be another. Like just give it up. It's in the comics now. Read those and be happy that you got
0: a movie. I'll watch it. I the series actually is
2: bad. yeah. I'll watch it at
0: some point. It's very Joss Whedon. But, yeah. it's very Joss Whedon. I
1: haven't gone back to watch it
0: with the lens of oh Joss Whedon. Oh, I don't hate that ranking. I would put this at number one eighty four between the Portal City of Pan and Bloodstone i I, because it's definitely better than bloodstone
2: yeah i guess i'm just i just really liked it so on a personal level so i would have to concede to both of you
0: i don't want to take away from
2: from your personal
0: experience aldo but you need better experience
2: (laughs) 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 all right so yeah this above i don't even know what that means uh above bloodstone correct
0: i would say above bloodstone yeah
2: Oh, right, yeah, I remember Bloodstone. Yeah, that wasn't that was a particularly great outing for the character. All
0: right, so Princess Scoundrel. The the most overlooked Adventure Time princess that... I tries hate that it! <laughs> <laughs> These books have bad titles. Yeah, you know? they're not
2: great.
0: These books have bad titles. The Vader story has the best title of them, ironically. Anyway... We're not there yet. Princess Scoundrel. Where does it go? Again, I kind of think it goes higher than where we're looking. But I'm not sure how much higher.
2: Would it go higher than the other Infinities book?
0: Would it go higher than
2: that? Which is 164, which is the Empire Strikes Back one. What happened in the Empire Strikes Back Infinities? That's the one where Luke Luke dies at the
0: beginning. Oh, yeah. It had that bait and switch with Han. Yes, it goes higher than that. Again, I don't know how Does much higher... Does it go higher, higher than right Mary Jane Homecoming.
1: Jane Homecoming? Yes. No, it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> no. It <laughs> <not>. Insane. <coughs> the, Mary Jane Homecoming is the hill that both Stephen and I die on, just on either sides of it.
0: <laughs> the hill is going to be worn down over years of fighting over it. Yeah. Which is my way of saying, eventually you will come around to see things my nope. way. Nope. And also Aldo's way, because we are both right.
1: Mary Jane Homecoming makes me feel like, like... I don't have a pillow with a name, guys. And that's this is a step in that direction. That's what it, that's what Mary Jane Homecoming feels like to me for some reason. I just...
2: Nope. Mary Jane Homecoming is the correct way to do trouble.
0: I, I every now and again check the <laughs> app to see if they decided to put trouble on it. And then I remember that Trouble has an image of, of Aunt May holding a condom saying, face it, Tiger, you just hit the
2: jackpot. And uh, Good gracious. One of these days, I'm just going gonna to <laughs> cave. I'm going to buy three copies of The Trade, and we're going to read it. <laughs> uh,
1: two, two things. One, I really don't want to. And two, this is just what's on Marvel Unlimited. But three, number one again. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so this goes at number 164. I concur.
1: I guess. stupid (laughs) show, anyway.
0: (laughs) And I want to point out that we are now well above Vader Down.
2: Yeah, I just noticed that.
0: Yeah. I think Vader Down got ranked too low, and I don't quite remember why. I do think that Vader Down is pretty dependent on you knowing a bit about the comics continuity, though. And so it's not exactly new reader-friendly, which in my mind, makes to the letter this Vader story from the Age of Rebellion event actually better. Because you could give this to someone who was a fan of Star Wars and say, hey, here's, here's what Vader is like in the comics. And I think it gives you enough of what that character has to offer on the pages of the comics that you could be hooked. Like I don't know, I actually think it's pretty good. And
2: that makes me want to rank it pretty high. See, and right now, at least for me, I'm looking at... I guess my floor is, now this is not pod racing. Yeah, it's better than that. <laughs> uh, better than Project and the I would not say
0: that this is as good as that manga adaptation of A New Hope. Right. But I do think, personally, I think they're comparable. That's where I was getting to, yeah. Th- yeah the the strength of that new hope manga is in showing how you can tell a story that we are all familiar with in comics form in a way that's like engaging and exciting and not whereas not so
2: focused on getting the actor like likeness on every panel yeah yeah
0: whereas this kind of tells the story that we already know but from a slightly different angle where we get to see more of a character in a way that I think expands the original source material. So they are weirdly like similar. But I, I think I would point someone to the manga before I pointed them to this. But I think they're of similar quality in a good way.
1: It's tricky because I it's such a short story. That it's almost unfair to rank it against you know longer stories that did a lot more heavy lifting, and this one is, Vader can kill anyone he wants, and the bad guys who try to outbad Vader are going to die. But at the same time, I'm looking at this area of the list, and I'm like, yeah, I would read this Vader story before you know Project
2: Gelsimian before this Arrow you know story. Um, See where I hit a stumbling block on that whole. I would read this over this. Is stay angry. Yeah. I think talking about books, not so much Star Wars, but just talking about comic books, Stay Angry, I think I would prefer to read over this. I don't Which know. isn't that far down from where we're at, where it's only like a couple spots down from a New Hope manga. Yeah, number 116
0: is where and, Stay and Angry And I think
1: FF1234, that 5, was kind 6, 7, of a and mess. 10, 10, 11, 12,
2: 15.
1: Okay, thank goodness I'm not the only one who does that every now and again. I seriously like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I I do that. Okay. Thank you, Aldo. You're welcome. Um
0: Yeah. Fun fact. Yes. Multiple Utah based businesses advertise on the radio using songs that appeared on Sesame Street. Cause isn't that one two three four five six 7, isn't that a Sesame Street? Absolutely. Thing? I thought Stockton Twelve, car dealership, advertises with that. Huh.
2: Weird.
1: Should tell the children's television workshop.
0: Harmon's grocery store, sings "Oh Harmon's is the grocer in your neighborhood." That's a that's a Sesame Street huh. song. It's very weird.
1: I just want the Southtown Auto people. Whoever does the bad german accent still doing the hans and franz bit are
0: they still doing that
1: yeah it pops up every now and again i'm like it's been over 30 years and probably Mm -hmm. like closer to four like you've got to stop it's it was bad like even if you did it like the week after that skit where everyone was still talking like that and joking like that it's still not funny and the way they do it it's just awful so like to the point where i'm like we we need to like Tell someone and like get them sued because I'm just sick of hearing it. When I when I catch it seems like I very rarely catch a radio commercial, but I hate that when I do. It's one of the oh, it's so bad, it's so bad.
2: So I don't listen to the radio very often anymore. But the last time I heard it, I was in Colorado. We had gone for a quick trip out there, and they had the Shane ad.
0: Oh, the but Shane But obviously
2: company. not. Yeah, Shane mm-hmm. company. But obviously not in Utah. And I was like, is this what it feels like to be of a religion and hear somebody else talk about their book? And it sounds so familiar, but it's still like insulting to you for some reason? Because that's how I felt. I felt genuinely offended no, when it's we weird. started doing the
1: address. Yeah, because I grew up with the Indianapolis version. On the corner of Hague Road and 86th Street, uh, just east of I-65, oh. open Monday through Friday till 8, Saturday and Sunday till 5. Very different from the Utah one closed Sunday.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go And
1: anyway, I probably botched it, but anyway. it's been 30 years. <laughs> anyway. I, I say the highest I would go is 121 for Vader.
0: I would rather read it over 1234 but i do think actually now that you pointed out that squirrel girl story where squirrel girl attacks dr doom with multiple different timeline versions of herself like that one moment is such good comics that i might put it just above i might put it at the new 120 you did it john you talked me down yeah okay hey
2: yeah i think i would refer to this over that ff1234 it was good it was neat I don't feel like it necessarily crossed the finish line the way I thought it did. I think think
0: Morrison got much better after that story. So, number 120.
2: 120.
0: Alright, and then next time we are going to read a couple of characters that we have not read much of recently. We're going to start with a story from I think it's Ed Brubaker's run on Daredevil. The Devil in Cell Block D, which is from the 1998 Daredevil series issues number 82 through 87. Daredevil goes to jail. I've read the story. There's some fun stuff in it. It'll be exciting to revisit it because I haven't read it in probably over a decade. And then we're going to follow that up with a Captain Marvel event story from very early on in her promotion to the role of Captain Marvel. So this is Kelly Sue DeConnick writing The Enemy Within. This one, the publication history is a little bit frustrating. Uh, It begins in a one-shot issue, Avengers The Enemy Within. And then it goes to Avengers Assemble number 16, Captain Marvel number 13, Avengers Assemble number 17, and concludes in Captain Marvel number 14. And this is like the 2015 series of Captain Marvel. I'm going to double check that. I'm going to double check that year.
2: Double check. Double check.
0: Go, go, go. Oh, it's like 2013. The way he said it flowed. 2012, 2013. It's... it's, Shriveling up. I'm old. (laughs) I hit my 15-year anniversary with the company that I work for this Friday. And... I'm not having any complicated feelings about the fact that I have spent three-eighths of my life working for one organization.
2: Wow. I'm actually looking forward to spending ten years at my current company.
0: Ten years, sure. Fifteen? You're going to start having existential
2: questions. Probably. There's In my job, I, there's several people... Actually, my, la, my first manager at my current company, uh, he's been there for about... 25 years. So he was with the company before the company was even started because he was part of the he was part of a different company that got bought out by the one I work at now.
0: Y'all ever see the the musical How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying? Love it. No, I want to. Yeah, the opening number is a guy in the mailroom who sings about doing things the company way and that's how you get ahead in business and <sighs> I think about that every time I clock into work in the morning and my soul dies a little bit.
1: (laughs) The How to Succeed in Business, the movie, um, it's really strange because uh, it's Robert Morse, right, who's in it, who later went on to be in Mad Men which takes place at the same time as the film version of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. I saw it, my high school in Indiana did it, and then I moved to Utah and went to a high school performance of that same. So I had, like, immediate back-to-back comparisons of two, like, high school versions of it. And I was like, oh, well, this lead was better in this one, but these guys were better in this one. And then saw the movie, and I was just like, I, I prefer the high school version. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like that, that musical,
0: but... Most, the most recent... Broadway production that I'm aware of starred Daniel Radcliffe and John Laura Kett right yeah yeah yes yes that's right I've heard the soundtrack it's pretty good
1: I hope he can like do something that doesn't like the uh, I don't know it's like
0: Patrick Stewart
1: like was on Star Trek for forever right but has since done other stuff and like X Men, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So oh, like, he there's... did other
0: stuff even back then.
1: Oh, but yeah, back then, of course, and before then, and like he's, a, you know, stage actor, all that. You know, I hope that Danny Rath, like he gets a shot that, like you know, Harry Potter is not. I don't know. I get well. It's always gonna be. Oh, I mean, he's it's not. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, but he's he's done quite a few things specifically that are not yeah. Harry yeah. Potter. But he's also very picky yeah. about did what he does. You see the take video. He does a lot of... The Cake video? The
0: Take. No. It's a YouTube channel. Aldo recommended to me No, I don't I'm think back. so. They did a video on Daniel Radcliffe just like last week. Yeah. Oh, it, interesting. It's like... They highlight the
2: fact that he's had a very eclectic career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was gonna point that out because I can't remember what video I saw. It wasn't The Take, but it was somebody else that was talking about it. Oh, no, it was an interview. I was watching an interview with him and he talked about how he very much is very picky. He does... He, only does things that interest him. He doesn't do anything kind of for a paycheck. He said that he's made enough money off the Harry Potter stuff that he doesn't yeah. need to. And that's why he so, plays a corpse. In so yeah, with Army so he, Man. <laughs> that's why he plays a man with ram horns. horns. That's why he plays Weird Al. Horns. That's why he plays John Akimbo in Guns Akimbo. I don't. That's not actually his name, but I couldn't remember his character's name. That's why he plays the horse in Equus. (laughs) (laughs) He was the horse, right? uh,
1: And and you would get there eventually, thanks.